idiot. I said across her nose, not up it. Sorry, sir. Doing my best. Who made that man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole, too, sir. Gunner's made first class Philip asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship, anyhow? Yo! In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! We get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! Keep firing assholes! Hey, welcome back everybody to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I'm one of your hosts, the host to the left. The Rental King, Ron Avis. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about Spaceballs today. Joining me talking about this movie, one of our movies that we love for February, is my father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate, Adam Peterson. Say hey, Adam. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. (laughs) Of course... This is Spaceballs, the Mill Brooks classic from 1987. Ah, oh, man, I got to get my notes situated here and fade out the music. Oh, I love how that works. Yeah, it's officially, it's officially go time now. Yeah, it's officially go time. Release June 24th, 1987. Uh, star pilot for hire and his trusty sidekick must come to the rescue of a princess and save planet Duridia from the clutches of the evil Spaceballs. Runtime, 96 minutes. So exactly the same runtime as Napoleon Dynamite, interestingly. Perfect. I was looking at, I was, uh, I was throwing my, uh, out my, my notes together and I have like a little template and I just kind of delete out the, you know, the, the fine points. Yeah. And uh, I saw runtime on Napoleon Dynamite in 96 minutes, same for Spaceballs. That may so, be the perfect uh, runtime for a comedy then. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the perfect runtime. They should really work hard in all future comedies to get it down to that tight 96 minutes. Uh, budget of $23 million, which is fairly substantial, I would say, yeah, for especially a Mel for Brooks comedy. Yeah, 87. That's that's not bad because there are some real no-shit uh, special effects happening in this movie. Like It yes. looked good in 1987. Looks pretty good stacked up against... The movies that it's, you know, parrying, uh, particularly Star Wars and Industrial Light and Magic did a good majority of the special effects for this movie. So if it if it looks as good as a Star Wars movie, hey, uh, they had the money, they spent it uh, on the guys who made Star Wars movies. So good for them on that. Uh, U.S. gross, 38 million, uh, 6.6 opening weekend. Those aren't huge numbers. I, when I think back of a movie like Spaceballs, I, I I think a lot of it's just kind of askew for me, like the way I want to look at it. Uh, because in 87, I was really, really sinking my teeth into movies big time. And this was just like one of those iconic movies. Uh, really, I would say it's one of the first movies that I can kind of own and call my own movie that I showed people. I discovered it on my own. I showed it to a bunch of people. 
it was a, you know, parading something that I loved. And I, you know, I remember like the posters and the video stores, like that classic, you know, spacey kind of background with just the plain white Spaceballs logo. Uh, the, the cassettes, I remember seeing the cassettes on the shelves. Uh, you know, th- this movie is starring legendary people that I was already in 87 in love with their work. I loved everything they did. Uh, Mel Brooks, I was mostly, I mean, I was familiar with Mel Brooks. I was aware of, you know, uh, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, probably Blazing Saddles more than anything. Uh, later on, History of the World, things like that. But honestly, this is probably my real introduction to Mel Brooks. And I followed him closely afterwards. You know, he, there were some other good uh, movies that he was parodying. He did uh, the Robin Hood movie, Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is really good. I love that movie. Uh, then, But then there's like a, then there's a sort of like the, the, the trails off a little bit after that. You know, uh, what was there was one he did with Leslie Nielsen. Where Dracula like, Dead and Dra- Loving It. Dracula Dead and Loving It, right. Then, no, that was a movie that got released in theaters, got a wide theatrical release. But by then I was not interested. I, I just didn't follow it. And he hasn't done a ton since. He's appeared in things as Mel Brooks, but... His his filmmaking career was really at, at its peak in the 70s and the 80s. And in the 80s, he was, you know, by 87, he was legendary. You know, every, people wanted to probably work with Mel Brooks. Guys like John Candy, Rick Moranis, Bill, like, you know, those are comedy legends in their day. And as sort of a younger, more up-and-coming cast, uh, Mel, I would say they were probably... I mean, they, they probably grew up watching Mel Brooks and love Mel Brooks, but that at that time, Rick Moranis and John Candy were still young and up and coming. Yeah. And John Candy was really blowing up and, you know, would probably hit his peak. I would say Uncle Buck was like peak John Candy, but this, this is right at it, like big time. Uh, but again, written and directed by Mel Brooks, uh, also written by uh, Thomas Meehan and Ronnie Graham who, if you're watching the movie, he is the priest, uh, the guy who's trying to marry Princess Vespa. And, uh, oh gosh, who, who was the character Jim J. Bullock plays? Uh, sleeping, uh, what was his character? Prince name? Valium. Prince Valium, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, that's, is that not such an 80s thing? Valium? Oh, absolutely. Like, who talks about, who talks about Valium anymore? <laughs> yeah, that was one of those, like, okay, that was the, uh, the drug du jour. Uh, like, you, it was yeah. like, okay, we could, you know, we could joke about that in, uh, you know, late night sitcoms. Valium was like a thing. It was like a, it was like a comedy thing. It was like the butt of many jokes it's like, like with you know, xanax have some I value machilla i would say xanax yeah. is probably the equivalent of today's like oh i gotta go pop a xanax you know take the edge good off call of life. good call take a zan and go to bed yeah uh um uh, starring mel brooks he he plays two characters in this movie he is president scroob and yogurt um but you know just looking back a little bit of his history this is I, as much as i love space balls and a couple of his other things I'm not a huge Mel Brooks fan. Like I don't now I don't go in all in on Mel Brooks in a nerdy way that I would say like a Kevin Smith, but I certainly respect Mel Brooks. Like when you think Mel Brooks, you think comedy royalty for sure. 
Uh, but would you say like the producers was the thing that made him famous? The play slash a book slash movie? I producers is probably one of I would say uh, producers is what gave him some real longevity. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's kind of a toss up between uh, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles that it really brought him to the. F- I mean, Blazing Saddles is probably one of his his gene wilder phase basically yeah it's like okay that, that was what really made because he i mean i have the i mean the mel brooks uh, blu-ray collection uh because i mean because there's i mean he's got other movies i mean history of the world part uh history of the world part one is is one of those is like i mean I, I don't even know if a lot i mean people have probably seen it but it doesn't get the rewatch as you know like a space balls or a blazing saddles it's going <clears> to <throat> be the king yeah, I mean, there's it's. De- I mean, uh, even I mean, like high anxiety and uh, so I'm trying to think of some of his other lesser known ones. Uh, Life stinks. That's one of his yeah. later movies that actually I've seen a lot. That was a movie they played a bunch on cable. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, for for me, I I have an affinity for Dracula Dead and loving it as one of those. To me, it's like I know it's towards the end of his kind of directing career, but um, mm-hmm. and it's not. I mean, it's got Leslie Nielsen when he was still really kind of before they just used him in everything that was a spoof where they're like, Oh, just put, yeah. throw Leslie Nielsen on it. It was like, okay. Right. It was kind of, it was a little bit past his, his airplane days, but it was kind of before oh, yeah. he was just like past his naked gun yeah. days even too. I mean, he was, he wasn't quite out to pasture yet. So I, I mean, Dracula doesn't loving it still. I could watch that and just, I mean, because uh, there were some pretty good Leslie Nielsen comedies in that <clears throat> vein. Like what was it? Spy hard. Spy was hard. Was, yeah. Spy hard was pretty good. And, uh, I'm trying to think. There was there was one. He did. Did he do Repossessed? Was that one of his? Yeah, he was. He was in Repossessed with Linda Blair. Yeah. Well, that 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 was lesser though. (laughs) Like that wasn't like a big success. But he did. He did a lot of those comedies and parodies. Like that was definitely what his what buttered his bread. Probably had bought a couple houses thanks to those parody movies. Uh, but yeah, Mel Brooks, big name. Uh, Rick Moranis also starring uh, in Spaceballs. He plays the, uh, the diminutive Darth Vader uh, analog of Dark Helmet. Who th- this is Rick Moranis' best role. I've thought about it long and hard. This is my favorite Rick Moranis role, and he's been in some classic, iconic stuff. I mean, you you think obviously Ghostbusters. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Strange Brew. I, I don't dive into his SCTV days very often, so I don't know him from yeah. there. Uh, but he was he was very good in sketch comedy. Whenever he did host SNL, he was magnificent. I mean, he's he's a really good impressionist. He has great comic timing, but he always sort of he he slides easily into that. That, well, that Lewis Tolley character, yeah. you know, like Ghostbuster, like nerdy. It's really easy to typecast him. Meek. Uh, another movie where he doesn't play that type of character that I recently saw and enjoyed him in was uh, My Blue Heaven with uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. Where that he was plays a good like one. A, uh, it, it was. It was. It's so funny. Like on, on one side of the coin, you have My Blue Heaven. On the other side of the coin from that same story, you have Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> Basically the same story way different twists way different ray liotta and steve martin cut from the same cloth (laughs) exactly two different guys uh same guy two different days but i i I think it also um 
oh gosh, what was the one with the plant? Um, the Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. I think of him in that. But, Seymour. You know, I love, I love, love, love Rick Moranis. He he said, oh, Parenthood. That's another yes. classic. Oh, one. classic movie. I, I just, I, I love Rick Moranis. I hate that he is one of the guys in this bunch who could still very well be working. You know, he, people would love it if Rick Moranis would come out of retirement, but he, he, you know, he went into retirement, I guess, for family reasons. Uh, you, you and I have talked many times before how disappointing it was that he didn't show up in the uh, Afterlife movie with, with Ghostbusters. I mean, they, they, I mean, hell, they brought, they, <laughs> If they can bring um, Harold Ramis back from the dead to be in this movie, yeah. like, couldn't they get Rick Moranis to be in this yeah, thing? Yeah, for him to be like, you know, what, what sense does it make for me to take a day and go shoot something that I did, you know, 30 years ago? It's like, uh, yeah. I don't know, they brought one of your co-stars co, uh, back from the dead through computers to make the movie. <laughs> so seems like excuse, it might be worth man? your time. Yeah, because honestly, I really I mean, do think that mugging may have had something to do with his <coughs> shying away. I checked the timeline on it, and it's not. I mean, he's oh, it's it, it doesn't oh. it doesn't. I don't believe it lines up, and he's still okay. doing Honey I Shrunk okay. the Kids. And I'm like, if you're gonna do Honey I Shrunk okay. the Kids, because I I was going well, back. and I'm looking forward to that. I think that's awesome. That he's I doing I don't that, I don't yeah. even know if I'm gonna be able to do it. I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to do really? it. Really? Oh, because hmm. in in my because hot the, takes, boy, oh boy, hot takes here on the set of the today. the the post credit scene with Sigourney Weaver because it it was funny the the Sigourney Weaver scene reminded me of her cameo in uh, Answer the Call 2016 Ghostbusters mm-hmm. in so much mm-hmm. that it was just kind of this weird uh, unnecessarily throwaway scene after the credits had started. Yeah. They're like. We don't really know how to write Sigourney into this movie, so we're just going to make a scene up for the heck of it so she's in the movie. And I'm yeah. like, okay. But like in my head... I know. At least at least they wrote Janine in as she's working at the hotel. Yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, like... Dan's a cabbie, and I mean, yeah. You for could, her. And, and then they even related Ernie Hudson to uh, Leslie Jones' character. Yeah. I know. That sucks. But in this, in this one, I was like, okay, so you got that end throwaway scene... And in my opinion, because of the way I kind of wrote it in my head was, okay, if you're going to have, <clears throat> if you have Sigourney and you get Rick Moranis on board, what, what my, what my idea was is you have, you have a throwback to the first time you see really either of them in the original Ghostbusters. She's going mm-hmm. into her apartment in mm-hmm. New York and he's just coming out of his and his, you know, his totally eighties <laughs> little sweatsuit. Oh my God! And he he she's yes. she's carrying the bag of groceries like like normal. Right. You can see the little Stay Puff sticking out of the top, and maybe even have yep. one of the little uh, the little marshmallows towards the end. yeah. That, well, that was the idea. <laughs> that, um, she's he she doesn't want to talk to him. He's he's asking her if she's felt any of these tremors in the building, and right. and then she's she you know finds a way to get back into her apartment. But before she does, a handful of the little marsh mini puff guys jump out of the bag. And as Lewis goes to try and open his door, it's locked, of course, as as per usual. And he's yeah. locked out. And he looks and he sees the little mini puff guys. And they do their little happy face turns mean. And they start chasing after him. And he runs down the hall. And you go <laughs> back to the... I'm like, okay, that's a totally fun... How hard would that have been? Yeah, it's like I that mean, would that have taken you hard. a couple of hours to do. I'm like, right. you know, you shoot that. It totally ties in with the actual movie and brings it back to... 
you know, the 84 movie. I'm like, okay, there you go. I yeah. thought of this one evening sitting on my couch. You can't tell me that nobody else could have put <laughs> something like that or better together. If Rick Moranis would have been like, yeah, sure, I'll stop by. I know. It's like, come on, Rick. I don't know, man. I, I would love to hear his side of the story. I really do. But I, I've got, you know, like I make little notes. And to the side, I've got retired. And it's unusual. It's like you don't see that in act. Usually actors just act until they die. And very, very rarely do you see a retired actor. But they do happen. I mean, you've got um, Gene Hackman, Gene, I think, I, is that was exactly what I was retired. thinking of. Yeah, he retired uh, before Sean Connery kind of, you know, started his health. I mean, he 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 definitely retired. Yeah, uh, Jack Nicholson, I think, is retired. Yep. They they do they happen. They're definitely out there, but you just don't usually hear about it. So just to see that little notation that I made, it sticks out. Retired. Uh, but another actor who retired prematurely, very sadly, one of my favorite '80s actors top top three i would say just people that i enjoyed in the 80s uh growing up as a kid in the 80s and just looking back at movies as an you know as an older adult some as someone who's well who well who's older than john candy when he died probably yeah i mean i just love that john that man and uh, he he played barf um Barf, such such a cute character. I, I love the ears and the separate animatronics. The yeah. trouble that they went, they actually went through to to make his character more, you know, uh, dynamic. Just look cooler. I, I was watching. It's really weird. I, I I hold this movie in such high regard. I love this movie so much. Uh, but unlike a lot of other movies that I cherish from my childhood, where there are just uh, book after book after book of the making of, and you get like all these little stories and interesting things to learn about the movie. Like, I don't think there's much for Spaceballs because even in the DVDs and the Blu-rays and all those things, like there's just not a lot of extra uh, material. And in the, the heyday of the DVDs, like 2000s, like the DVD stuff is when you would get a lot of those things. But there just doesn't seem to be much for that for Spaceball. So I don't have a ton of anecdotes. Uh, I, I did listen to the Mel Brooks commentary in preparation. Uh, I, I have the 4K version. I recently bought that. But I also had the DVD and the Blu-ray. And I remember, and I think I probably mentioned this before, so sorry if I did. But when the first time I listened to the uh, Spaceballs commentary, I was like so pumped. Cause I've listened to so many other really interesting commentaries for other movies I love. And I'm just like, it's like a class, you know, like I'm going to school. I'm going to learn about something that I love and I'm popped in, you know, and I'm listening to the, the Mel Brooks commentary. And I think it's the same commentary on the new disc. I think it's just Mel Brooks and he's joined by Ronnie Graham, one of his writers, one of the guys that he cooperates, you know, like corroborates with, like works with plays the priest in Spaceballs. He's with him in the commentary, but I think he says all of like five sentences <laughs> total. And Mel Brooks is trying to um, talk about scenes a little like, you know, dig into a scene and not just kind of watch the scene and laugh. But a lot of times he was just sort of watching the scene play out and admiring it. And at one time he even says, Almost as if somebody like a producer like nudged him like, hey, could you maybe talk a bit over this scene? Like, we don't need to watch the movie. We want to hear everything you have to say about the scene. 
this is how commentaries work. <laughs> They've been doing them since Laserdisc. Let's do it. Yeah. It's like, uh, but he, he makes a comment like, yeah, <laughs> the movie's fine. We, we want to hear you talk about the movie. They can watch the movie without should, us talking. And they sure oh, that's can. already a thing. <laughs> it's been a thing for a long time. But he says, uh, if I don't really have anything to say, then that's why I'm not saying anything right now. Like he just sort of explains in his head, like, Hey, uh, Hey guy in the booth. I don't, I'm not saying anything right now. Cause I just don't have anything to say. <clears throat> and these movies are older and he's an older guy and you can't, he can't be expected probably. Cause I think he, he might be another guy too, where a lot of his themes enter in and out of all of his movies. So there's kind of like the same joke performed a bunch of times, but just with a new layer of clothing, you know? Yeah. And he, I feel like he might also be a guy who does just, there's so much content that he'd put out there. Like, I can't just remember, we made Spaceballs in it for a few months in 1986. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't remember a lot of the detail because... It's not high concept stuff, really. It's just like some dick and fart jokes in space, but done so well, so great by Mel Brooks. And, uh, you know, John Candy, to, to see like a little bit of effort put into his costume and stuff is great. And I, I did like hearing about, you know, those things, but he didn't mention any of that in the commentary. I found this like little YouTube video where they were showing behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, was that not on the DVD? It feels like it belongs there. But, you know, he was wearing a backpack and there's just like, it's like a 30 pound backpack of batteries yeah. and gears and stuff that is just allowing two separate puppeteers, one for each ear. And apparently he's controlling the tail. And that's mostly physical comedy. Like you can tell like they're do like, you know, like when he's coming from behind the curtains and yeah. like whips Bill Pullman in the head a couple of times. That's just good old fashioned comedy timing right there. But he was working that with some controller in his hand. So he, he's really working hard uh, as, as like barf. And he, he is a great character. He has a great look. He looks just like a, a little dog man. A mog. Uh, he's a mog. I'm my own best friend. Well, is there anyone more charming than John Candy as barf? <laughs> as, he's so great as the sidekick character. Well, because originally he was supposed to have a much more uh, in-depth costume, right? No, I didn't know that. Talk yeah, about that. <clears throat> he was, because uh, I think they were going for something more like a Chewbacca. And the uh, mm -hmm. in, in some of the earlier stages of development of what, what they were going to do, you it covered his face. And so I think it was Mel Brooks has even said, if we're just going to cover his face, why are we paying John Candy to do this? And I was right. like, you know, if, if no one's going <laughs> to recognize, hey, this is John Candy. That's a real good point. Why would yeah. we not? You know, it was like, oh, just cover him up. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. We want people to recognize, right. hey, John Candy's in this movie. So I think they scaled it back several times to what they ended up with to where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, John Candy's in this movie. Because it's kind of funny because there were there were a couple of those things. I think one of the biggest ones for me is um, in the, the newer Star Wars trilogy, The uh, was it uh, Captain Phasma or Phasma or something like that? I was like, Phasma, yeah. They they had uh, what's her face from Game of Thrones play her, right. and I was just like, what? Gwendolyn something or other. Like, why would you get like a a big? I mean, not like a a list celebrity, but I was like, why would you get a name for somebody you're never going to show them? 
she's known for being Brienne of Tarth. Yeah. Has she has a certain look. Like she looks like Brienne of Tarth kind of while she's not in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm like cuz <laughs> you know. Cuz I mean like there's I mean they've uh, Is that Brienne of Tarth in standing in line over at at uh uh Starbucks? Mike, you could take that pregnant pause out if you want to. <laughs> is that uh, is that bringing a tarth over at uh, 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 at, uh place to stand at the uh, at the TCBY? <laughs> is she over there at that TCBY? She uh-huh. getting some uh, getting a little yogurt. All right, Good I know her. you're not going to leave me hanging, dude. I know you're going to make me look crook. <laughs> or at least at least put like farting sounds or something in that space. <laughs> just crickets. Just I'll put crickets. Oh no, no, don't do crickets. No. No. Like uh I'll look, I'll leave it up to you and I'll be surprised when I listen to it. <laughs> well, but yeah, but you, that, I mean, you know that, that's the, 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 it's that's, Brienne of Tarth. And that's I mean, that's kind of my point She's is like pumping gas over at the Wawa. <laughs> Cuz in in other I mean like it, because it it kind of it's kind of in between cuz I mean you have so many characters that are um well known and but then like in the Star Wars universe, you have people that want just want to be affiliated with Star Wars that will like okay, I just yeah. want to be in Star Wars somewhere. So you right. have like uh, right um, Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig plays a stormtrooper. Um, you have uh, Simon Pegg uh, who played the alien in the the Force Awakens. Uh, and you'd have oh, no I idea. Know, I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. the the alien that hands well, up. Even even Simon. Oh, Simon Pegg. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then in uh, you know what I, in my brain I heard Simon Cowell. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's like two British Simons. Like, I mean, there's a lot of British like, Simons, wow. but only two he British just ones. Wanted to know. be in it, I guess. If you're um, famous and rich enough, you can just get in a movie. But well, like even Simon even Peg, of course, even in the Mandalorian, um, uh, yeah, I think it was in the second season. There's in the the episode where the two speeder bike stormtroopers. Yeah, they, yeah, I know you're going. With they, this. they 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 steal Baby Yoda, and it's like it's Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally. Right, right. Because I was sitting there, I was like, I know these voices. Who is this? Oh, Jason Sudeikis is unmistakable. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's Sudeikis. <laughs> I'm like, who? And then I was like, I had to look. I was like, oh, Adam Pally. Okay, yeah, I hear it now. Yeah, the um, the other guy I just assumed was probably famous too, but I didn't recognize his voice right away, like Jason Sudeikis. But so so like you have those where it's like, okay, it's almost like tongue and cheek. National like, treasure, national treasure, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm required to say that. You're you're gonna, I mean, you're gonna throw some people in Star Wars. It's like, hey, we just throw them here. I was like, you're not. There's yeah. no fanfare for it, so it's just for fun. So it's like. This, this, I mean, it's not like Captain Faz is a major character, but it's like there's real. I mean, she had more on-screen time than uh, Billy D. Williams did. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm and like, people were pissed that she didn't have more to do on. Yeah, screen. I mean, I, they sold her in. When they, well, this is where toys and marketing really stung this new generation in yeah. a way that they've been stinging us for years. Just because something is promoted or is a toy doesn't mean it's going to get a big yeah. presence. In the actual movie, that's just not how it works. Phasma looks really cool, but does Phasma matter? No. Finn is already the the stormtrooper gone good. I mean, he's the interesting character. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the not, one you want to you know hear the story of. And so yeah, it, it, but you know, bringing it back to Spaceballs, it's like it is. It's like okay, bring it back. If if we're gonna if we're gonna have a character in this movie that we're going to, I mean, because I would venture to guess that John Candy was probably one of the reasons that the movie was $23 million, uh, probably yeah. one of the pricier reasons, uh, especially given probably, his success yeah. at the time of this film. 
Uh, so it's yeah. like, why would we? We'll pay? think about what what was Candy. What was his big role leading up to 1987? Uh, stripes. He, I mean, he, yeah, he would have had stripes, and he would have had uh, <clears throat> summer the, rental, the survivors, and, uh, and Brewster's millionaire. Yeah, I mean, like he he had or a, Brewster's millions, Brewster's millions. Brewster. Yeah, he had. I mean, he had a number of things under. I mean, he was recognizable. So. Um, he was very recognizable. Summer rental, did you say that? Yeah, one? especially especially okay. compared to, but he <clears throat> wasn't really starring in movies like he went on to do. Was yeah. he by eighty seven? Like I'm not so sure. I think he was just like the guy that you like. Well, it, it Splash. You said did you mention Splash? I mean, he was in that too. Yeah, he was I mean, just the guy that you love to see. Like, oh god, he should be in more movies by himself. You know, like that kind of guy. Like a Bill Hader, like, oh, Bill yeah. Hader's really funny. I love Bill Hader. When's he going to get his big thing, you know? And then he started, you know, they started coming eventually. But, yeah, John Candy was a big star in 87. There's no doubt about it. I like to think Spaceballs helped to light that trajectory even more. Because, I mean, 80 was 88. Um, let's see, Uncle Buck was 89, was, what was John Candy doing in 88? I feel like, oh, here. Great Outdoors, he was doing that. I was trying to think when, I couldn't remember if it was after this or if it was before. Oh, God, man, they're real close to each other. Anyway, sorry. No, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> well, you got Hot to Trot. <clears throat> that was 88. <laughs> Ooh, that was after. Guy, hey, it's Bobcat <laughs> going. <laughs> Wait, you had planes, trains, and automobiles. I love baseballs. <laughs> Um, yeah, Little Shop Horrors, Armed fuck? and Dangerous, yeah. uh, Summer Rental, Follow That Bird. Oh, Armed and Dangerous. Yeah, that was a good one. Brewster's Millions, Splash. So, yeah, I mean, he was, oh, I mean, even if you want to go all the way back to vacation, you know, it's really mm. just a cameo before people oh, really God. knew who he was. But <clears throat> by 87, he was, I mean, he was probably a pretty, he was a big enough deal that uh, they were going to pay was. him. So it's like, all right, if we're going to pay he him. He had to have been a huge deal because he was one of the guys that I got excited about seeing yeah. when I saw like the first, those first like trailers and stuff on TV. Like he was the guy you instantly recognized. Cause I mean, cause like, really Holy shit, John Candy <laughs> really too. I mean like he and Rick Moranis are probably, I mean him and then, you know, Mel Brooks. Cause like the rest mm-hmm. of the guys, the guy that played Colonel Sanders, uh, Bill Pullman, mm-hmm. Daphne, what's her face. Yeah, George George Weiner was Colonel Sanders, and he he's mainly. I mean, he's been a lot of stuff, but I mean, I think Mel Brooks was mainly what he's in. He he was in Fletch. He was in both Fletch movies, and yeah. he was in She's the Sheriff with Susan Sarandon. He was he was somebody. <laughs> he's one of those guys you recognize, but people didn't know his name. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. I know him from from that. I know. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I'll see lists like that all the well, time. Well, it's like the guy who plays Ned Needlemine. He he's in this. Yeah, Stephen Tobolowsky. I, I can't think of his name. Yes, yes. He, he's just like another one of those George Winter guys. Like he, yeah, exactly. You know, the, he, you know, he <clears throat> ends up showing up as the principal in. Um, he, he's the principal in one of the longer running comedies of this decade, the Goldbergs. I mean, he just pops up in that out of nowhere. Yeah. Years so, after Groundhog's Day, <laughs> he's. It, it, those are those are the kind of. So it's like when you're when you're thinking of okay, what names are we going to put on the poster? You know, you got Rick Moranis, you got John Candy. And so it's like, okay, if we're going to cover John Candy. And Mel Brooks. And, and Mel, Mel Brooks, Brooks is like above the title. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like, if, if you got John Candy and you're going to cover him up, it's like, uh, that's really not doing us much good. Right. So let's right. scale the costume back a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad they did because I think it works. Because, you know, when, I mean, a, a perfect example in the same movie is Pizza the Hut. 
Like, mm-hmm. okay, you have this character, which, I mean, he's just a throwaway joke anyways, but Dom DeLuise <laughs> does is. the voice of him. Very recognizable voice. So Very it's like, okay, voice. you know, and he, I mean, and even look too. I mean, you can, you know what Dom DeLuise looks like. Yeah. I mean, cause <laughs> especially by this point, I mean, cause Dom DeLuise was real big in the late seventies. And I mean, he and yeah. Mel Brooks were, were good pals and, you know, he had done. Yeah. All kinds if of you, stuff with, if uh, you were watching Burt Reynolds yeah, at any exactly. time in the seventies, you were seeing Dom DeLuise as well. He was this right hand man in comedies. So, I mean, goes. you have, I mean, I wouldn't say by 87 that Dom DeLuise was a huge, as huge of a force as he was in the late seventies and early eighties. He was the John C. Riley to Will Ferrell. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, and so that, that was who, he, yeah, <laughs> you, you have him and he's completely covered up. So it's like, you don't get yeah. that. The, I mean, you get the voice. Well, he's so covered up. It's not even, the, it's not even him in there. Like they didn't even bother. Like it's some, some stage hand guy actually in the costume. <laughs> I, I, cause I was, it was, it was distracting when I was watching it. Cause I could see, I yeah. could see the mouth move on the costume, but I could yeah. see the person inside it too. And I thought, cause I thought it, it was kind of seems DeLuise. like it could be Dom DeLuise. Like you see like the chin hair. Kind yeah. Of? And that was the thing is like, okay, that looks like his, his Dom DeLuise, you know, beard. I'm like, this I, is yes. distracting. Yes. It's like I shouldn't right. be able to see him. <laughs> the pizza's falling in his mouth and shit while he's talking. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, I was one of the YouTube video, one of the few little supplemental things that I was able to find, they, uh, they, that was like bits of real pizza that they were keeping heated up so that it would behave like melted cheese and pizza. Like if you were to turn it on its side and like, you know, like the, the toppings would just roll down the face <laughs> and that kind of shit. But the, the stagehand guy, cause they did have, they they were I think they hired an actor originally. They put him in there and he couldn't he couldn't take it. So they got a crew guy in there and he he barely could take it. Like they they were like you couldn't stay in there because like they were heating it. Like they were actually cooking yeah. you in that thing. So it's not too surprising that Dom DeLuise wouldn't get in there. But I I, I always assumed until today, in fact, that, that was Dom DeLuise in that pizza costume. Yeah, see, because because <clears throat> uh, because uh, even when I was looking at the credits, I was like, where the heck is he's not? T- he's like last. I think he's last in the credits. And Pizza yeah. Hut, the voice of Dom DeLuise. I was like, okay, right. I know that's him, but I'm like, like where's you he know? The I know that was Dom DeLuise. Because I, I think I know I'm, he was doing a lot of Ziploc Glad commercials. Like, remember those Zip <laughs> Yellow? Oh, yes. That's that may have been what he was most famous for when this movie came it's out. Like, that's the, it's the Ziploc guy. He's doing uh, he's doing movies. That's it's good the, for him. Good it's for the him. yellow and blue mixed green guy. Wow, oh, man, he's really moving up in the world. That's great. He, look, he's in a movie and everything. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> but I think I think you would have lost a little bit. Uh, well, I think you would have lost a, a good a good piece of the character of Barf if yeah. you'd have just had his voice and it would have yes. been a, a costume. Right, and you miss out on all that physical comedy too. Yeah. Like you don't have to put a huge costume on him because he's already like this sort of big, physically hilarious guy. And I'm not saying because he's fat, but like he just knew how to use his body yeah. in ways that were really funny to watch. And uh, yeah, so it's it's just minimal. It's just the ears on top, and he's got the little tail swishing. But he's just in a flight suit, you know, and he's he's mostly John Candy. Yeah, uh, but. Joining him uh, on Eagle Five is the 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 captain of the crew, uh, Bill Pullman, 
This is really funny. I was telling you, I got like the template left over from Napoleon Dynamite. I still have Bill Pullman as Uncle Rico. (laughs) 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 No, but he plays Lone Star in Spaceballs. And I I could seriously watch a series of Bill Pullman and John Candy. I could watch eight whole seasons of that shit on a sitcom. Like, I love watching Bill Pullman and John Candy. And Bill Pullman, I think, was pretty much an unknown guy at this point. He was doing theater mainly. That's what he was known for. I I think I think if you went around asking people uh, what they think of Bill Pullman without any reference, I think a lot of yeah. people. I think in that respect, Bill Pullman would still be relatively unknown. Uh, now you're right. He did have a he had a nice stretch in the '90s where he became kind of a leading man. He yeah he had he had uh, a little bit. I mean he was in Casper. He was in Independence Day. Uh, right. While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. <clears throat> Lake so, Placid. He, he had a nice run, but you're right. Maybe Bill Pullman. And he still gets used. I've seen him recently and stuff, so he's still out there acting. He was he was in, but, I think, both of the Equalizer movies. It was a small role, but he was in both of the uh-huh. Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington. Yeah. He, st- he still well, shows but, up places. I mean, he's, he's not a bad yeah. actor uh, by no, any means. No, 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 not at all. No, not at all. He he could he could play like a congressman type dude for the rest of his life. Yeah, you know? <laughs> In and I, acting. It's always funny. I think it's really just because of the name similarity. But I would always find there were times that I would do it. But I would always find yeah. when I found people who did recognize Bill Pullman that Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton people uh-huh. would, people would confuse. It's like was that was that Bill they, was that yeah, Pullman or Paxton? I, I knew exactly what you were about to say because it's. <laughs> Your brain just mixes them up for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. They're, they don't look anything alike. No. <laughs> but, and they're in all different kinds of movies. Very much but, so. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Pullman. It's the Bills, I guess. There's not yeah. a lot of Bills. Paxton Pullman. Around. <clears throat> Paxton Pullman. Two, two syllables ending in. in the, just a couple well, of that's white That's how it goes. Just a couple of white rods. But Bill Pullman was perfect in this role. You know, he, he fits that sort of Han Solo. Uh, thing that they would be patterning him after, uh, very much so. Bill uh, uh, John Candy is Barf is Chewbacca, and Bill Pullman is playing the Han Solo character, basically, uh, and doing a really good job because he really is the main. He is the main protagonist of this movie, yeah. really. If you think yep. about, it. he is the guy. There's other bigger names in the movie who are. Dr- who are putting on bigger performances and more memorable performances. But the movie is kind of feels like it's centered around him. Cause that's he's his character is where all the mystery is, you know, like what's this medallion mean? And, uh, cause I mean, they just threw that in there, <laughs> but in his life and his lore, that medallion was this great big mystery. And, you know, like he's in it, he's in with pizza, the hut and, you know, like what's with Eagle Five and are they smugglers? And I mean, what's the deal with these guys? So uh, instantly, I'm pulled in by these two characters, and you get that great intro of Eagle Five coming in. You know, yeah, <laughs> with with the Bon Jovi song playing. Like it's one of my favorite introduction to a character is with like Barf's kind of dancing in the background. He's got his fire hydrant, and you know, you got this ship. I mean, even though it's in Winnebago with wings. It's the sh- it's the movie's Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Which makes an appearance in the movie. It does indeed. At the end. 
this movie could possibly be in it could Star Wars canon. Star they could be in the same canon. P- uh, we we should, uh, that's just they were parked at the <clears throat> same diner, you know. That's that just that's point. just going to give this the hardcore Star Wars fans more things to complain about. <laughs> like how come we don't see Eagle Five in any of the Star Wars movies? God damn it! Why does nobody mention Spaceballs when talking about the top ten Star Wars movies? I've watched every single Star Wars movie. I have never seen a Spaceballs placemat. <laughs> uh, but but speaking of Star Wars and Spaceballs, let, well, let's finish the cast. Oh my God, the whole episode is going to be just house housekeeping. That's really <laughs> all it is. Well, we got to go. We're, these are well, all that's people, it, folks. people. We got the cast. <laughs> Uh, well, Daphne Zaniga, is it Zaniga? Is that how you pronounce her last name? I've, I've, I've never known how to pronounce, pronounce her last name. Uh, well, she plays Princess Vespa in the movie, and she's actually really pretty good. It, I know she's been in lots of things. She she was in Gross Anatomy with one of your favorite actors of all time. Uh, she appeared on Melrose Place. Gross Anatomy, of course, had uh, uh, who's who's Matt, Matthew Modine. Matthew Modine. Matthew, in case you didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, she was in The Fly, too. You know, just a pretty solid resume for Daphne. Eric Stoltz. Zaniga. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. In The Fly, too. I, you know what disturbed me more than anything was The Fly Dog. I did not like that. Uh, but, but George Weiner as Colonel Sanders, he kind of rounds out the cast. And I already kind of went over his previous credits. And he Dick was Van in, Patten. the sheriff. <laughs> oh, and Dick Van Patten. Exactly. Uh, another like kind of old school, like Mel Brooks era comedy. Um, but Joan Rivers. I mean, I might as well mention Joan Rivers plays Dot Matrix, who again was, you know, that wasn't Joan Rivers in the costume. It's kind of a real Anthony Daniels sort of thing where they got a thin actor to fit into this really slim looking robot costume. I'm not saying Joan Rivers wasn't slim and trim. She definitely was. But you got to be in a special like circus performer type person to get in those like really tiny uh, like droid costumes. Yeah. And uh, I I'm I regret to say I did not write down the mime actor who was Dot Matrix, but she um, we were talking about something else offline. She she actually did do all of her own dialogue in the movie with the hopes of being the credited actor for Dot Matrix. But then they apparently like in the post-production, they it just wasn't working out. Didn't sound good. Just not this, the, you know, she didn't have that timing, I guess, that Mel Brooks was looking for. So he brings in Joan Rivers. You mean she does it, knocks it out of the park. Lorene Yarnell Jansen. Is that who you're talking about? As Dot Matrix? Yep. Yeah, it was just on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I knew it was <laughs> right the there. You're time. like, oh, she's of yeah. Swedish descent. Oh, what man. Was her I, name? I know there was like <clears throat> multiple names. Kind of one of those like deals. Uh, but. Let's see. So that's that's really the main people that I'm going to highlight in the well. Ver, uh, not was it, is it Vern? You know the the little guy who worked who was in Bad Santa. I don't like oh, little Tony guy Cox. sounds really bad. I should have just said <clears throat> little person. Yeah, he's in this movie too. He is he's one of the the Dinks, which really tickled me. And uh, I wasn't. I never never knew that he was in it. And then I was just really, because, you know, I'm watching it more with, like, a, an eye to talk about things. You know, I'm not as passively watching it this time. And I was like, is that Tony Cox? 
that's got to be him. Like, yeah. how old is that guy? Because he always looks the same age, and he's been in everything. He was in Friday. I was, like, watching that, like, randomly one day. It's like, oh, my God, that, there he is again. <laughs> but, hey, in 1987, he was one of the dinks. Phil Hartman did a voice of one of the dinks as uncredited. I just saw that. I did not know that. Yeah, and uh, Rob Paul. Well, he's got that. Oh, uh, that's uh, that's that's Wacko. No, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's Yakko, Yakko, Yakko Warner, Raphael, uh, Pinky. That's right. He plays Raphael. Yep, yep. Was he in Tiny Toons? Was he wasn't Buster Bunny? Was he? Nah, I don't think so. <clears throat> but yeah, well, well known character, animation voice actor. Good stuff, man. Uh, see, he's he's just about in every convention you ever could imagine. Yeah, <laughs> there could be a convention for his name pops up on it. Him and it's Maurice like, wow, Lamarche. Car show, like, why is he here? Uh, so that those are the, that's the main cast, and I think I talked about a lot. Of, I mean, just just as we do, we just sort of go off on tangents. I already covered things that I wanted to talk about, such as the Millennium Falcon thing, but. You know, since we're on the subject of Star Wars, I and mean, you can't get away from Star Wars in this movie when you're talking no. about space walls, because it's, it's like directly ripping off Star Wars, but with other sci-fi movies also thrown in. It's not completely Star Wars, like a one-for-one one Star Wars. You get a little Aliens, a little Star Trek, just here and there. Uh, but Star Wars is the main thing. And the whole George Lucas elephant, I guess, if you want to call it in the room, like Mel Brooks, I guess, similar to like a weird owl. I mean, parody is not subject to the same like copyright infringement type law. Like I don't, I don't know a lot about the laws, but I know that if you're parodying something, technically you're protected, right? That's like something that you can't, you know, if it's parodied, you can't like claim it is, or you, you can't come back and claim it on them. So, well, he, I think what he would do is he would try to get the blessings of the things that he was parroting up front so that there could be like no hurt feelings, I guess, for starters, but also to work out those financial, you know, things. Yeah. He, cause he had George Lucas's blessing, um, yeah. to do space balls. The only condition was <clears throat> the merchandising. That was his big thing. He's like, just don't, you know, he's like, yeah. <laughs> right. Because actually, um, the uh, the scenes towards the end when they're shooting off the um, escape pods <clears throat> is actually footage. Like, there's a part of it when the escape pods are going out at the very end. Um, mm-hmm. That little shot that they keep using was actually footage from um, from Star Wars. Of you mean we're like because it's like Mega Made, right? Yeah, what when they're they're, they're Mega Made, evacuated, and so like when <clears throat> somebody jumps into escape pod, hits the button, and then it cuts to the scene where you oh, see. Oh, you mean that. like the transition yeah. like scene? The escape. Oh, okay, not like with the Mega Made. They're popping no, out of her not. little. Okay, I was the like, lost, that was not in Star Wars. The lost scenes from Star Wars, Wars where they have <laughs> a similar Mega Made. That would be fantastic. <laughs> like, oh, there's this whole Jedi Mega story. Mega was just a Star Wars toy that just didn't make it the cut. Was you know, the whole the thing Wars. was a Star Wars ripoff. <laughs> that would have okay, been no, I, <laughs> no, just just yeah, that one That's little one transition. Of my favorite dumb, dumb moments of the podcast where it's like the Mega Man thing. <laughs> Come back here, you fat bearded bitch. <laughs> That's I, one of my favorite moments from the movie. 
I, I think I think that's I think one of the things I mean like I think because for me it's a twofold thing. I think because uh, and it, like I didn't know going into it the first time or I mean probably until recently I would say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, coming out of Rick Moranis's mouth made it especially sweet. Well, on, on that <sighs> on that note, I gotta say, when I was when I was looking at this, I was like, "How is this movie rated PG?" Oh no way! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Because wow, that's really. Because I had to go and look. I was like, "Okay, this is after '84. This is after. Oh, for sure. This is after PG-13 they invented PG thirteen. Well established at this point. I'm this like, was not like '87's not when they. Started. No, they're not like figured out. Like, how do we rate something PG thirteen? It's like this is PG thirteen, guys. If you call, if you call someone fat bearded bitch, is that mm, up, thumbs up, thumbs like, down? Like, what are we? I missed that, that line in Frozen. <laughs> I was like, okay, Frozen's rated PG. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, should we take the kids and go see Encanto or should we show them Spaceballs? Uh, they're both PG. What's it? Flip a coin. Uh, I'm a slave to the rating. I just got to go with it. Oh, look at this. This cute little, little, little camper with wings. This is adorable. Oh, this is adorable. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, I bet she gives great helmet. You're like, what? yeah, like, oh my God. Uh, now I have to have an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, what does that mean, mommy? We're, uh, no. Well, you see, it's a play on the expression head, which of course means. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of growing up today, kids. Of- <laughs> a lot of growing up. Oh, I got to say, mark, mark this moment. I actually had my first uh, kind of one of those conversations with my oldest over the weekend <laughs> that horrifying like okay uh is he is he going through these like is he feeling these things or not i don't want to embarrass him and like i'm either gonna say it and he's gonna be like you're gonna read that blank expression on it like oh what the hell you're talking about or i'm gonna say it and he's gonna start blushing and being like how did you know you know <laughs> i but you know like i had to have one of that 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 first probing conversation yes and it, it's it definitely skewed more towards the innocence so like I, I still have a little bit more time before i can go full in birds and bees <laughs> but i needed to know you know i needed to know just because of the things that he's saying he's in that age where he's going into middle school so like boys will be boys they'll oh, just yeah. say shit and they pick up on things like uh 69 i know is dirty but i don't know why it's dirty yeah but no, i'm not supposed to say it you know so like i and noticed he starts saying 69 and he mentioned 420 and i'm like who the hell are you talking to like, like where what? are you picking this shit up all of a sudden what is it who, so, who are your associates who have you been? <laughs> who have you been cavorting with? I need to. I know. I turned into the Adam list. Sandler character from Big Daddy, where I'm like, <sighs> I got yoo-hoos, and I'm out talking to the kids, like trying to shake them down for information. Well, cause, I mean, because with, yeah. I mean, with all that, like, okay, I don't want to let the little shitheads you're hanging out with educate yeah. you on this because they don't. No, they don't know. No, uh, they think they know. They don't know. Right? They they might now know more you, than that's you do. Your definition of it's a very important thing. You need to know what these things mean. Like, yeah, let's. Let, how about you let me fill in the gaps on this stuff because it's probably going to be important, especially because uh, there's a good chance me too will still be well in effect by the time you're coming up, and I don't want that being. Oh yeah, you I, you can't claim ignorance. 
you're not going right. to get away with that. So let's you know you can't do it. Let's let's fill in the blanks here. And I don't want to be the negligent parent on yeah. the news. Yeah, I don't want people. I don't want people coming to my door saying, "Hey, hey, 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 you're you're cavor- this is he he did you're, you're responsible." Dang it! Right. <laughs> oh. Your spawn, your problem. We man. were gonna watch Spaceballs this weekend, and I was gonna fill in a lot of gaps. Uh, all right. Tangent aside, yes. tangent aside with, with the George Lucas thing. <laughs> yeah, that was his big condition is you can't, you can't merchandise this stuff. And it, you know, part of it might've just been because like this, it's, it's so closely resembles Star Wars. And if you were to make the little, like those little dolls that Rick Moranis's dark helmet was playing that one hilarious scene, which is just as iconic as it gets. Like those characters could be mistaken if you squinted hard enough for Star Wars characters, and you're like, "Why dark helmet? Why? Why does my star my kid's Star Wars character look like a dick? Like, what is the <laughs> problem here? Like, this this is really phallic, George. Uh, it's like, George? no, 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 no. You don't understand. There was this Mel Brooks. You know him, right? Really kind of dirty, dick and fart jokes. The '60s and '70s and '80s. That guy. So yeah, he made a Star Wars parody, and like. No, no, he got ahead of all of that. He's like, no, no, you can't do that. So he that that was one of the huge running jokes and the gags throughout the movie. And I, I'm glad that George Lucas, like, I don't know necessarily if he's like a guy who's just well known for a sense of humor, but to me, he would be forgiven if he were the type of person that is like, you know, you can't upset him you know <laughs> yeah he's he's like the guy who's not gonna have a good sense of humor about the thing that's made him rich uh and i judging from the prequels and how people say that he just sort of ran with every instinct that he had without having to run it up the the pole or the line to a bunch of other creatives you're like oh maybe we shouldn't do this whole thing here with the senate and blockade and shit <laughs> you like maybe we shouldn't do that you know that might not maybe be the we best should give... idea, guys. Yeah, no, no. Maybe we shouldn't show the scene where they murder all the little Jedi kids and, I don't know, just like some dark shit, all that kind of stuff. Just Or just leave it alone. Don't make them at all. Like His, his original instinct was probably correct. Like, we can't do this. these movies. <laughs> Let's just leave Star Wars from 77 to 83, how it was forever in time, and not touch it. Uh, I, well, I, it didn't work out that I way. Think, I think the best <laughs> critique... <clears throat> of the prequels comes from Patton Oswalt. So if you're if you're curious what uh, w- how how you oh, should approach, I know the bit, but I want you to tell it. No, because yeah. I, 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 I want it's like I want people to go out and experience because it's like Patton Oswalt has completely nailed. And my I have come around uh, the uh, Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith both have plenty of entertaining moments. Uh, Attack the Clones, I, I mean, I really, outside of the Yoda-Dooku lightsaber battle at the very end, I don't know that there's any way that you redeem that piece of shit movie. Um, hey, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to just, I'm going to indulge myself a little bit. Yeah. And without permission from any of the people that need permission, I'm going to play some of that right now. Oh, my yeah. My geekiness is getting in the way of my nerdiness. I'm starting to notice as I grow older. I had this really sad realization. I was thinking the other day about a, uh, a time machine. If I had a time machine, you know, because I'm really bit. into history, like would I go back and witness something, like find out who Jack the Ripper was or stop the Kennedy assassination. And the first thing I thought of doing if I actually had a time machine is I would go back to around 
1993 or 94 and killed George Lucas with a shovel. That was the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> and stop him from making the prequels. That's how I would try to save history. <laughs> Fucking pathetic. I mean, I don't even know how I would have reacted if I had just run into him on the street, like going, oh my God, you're, you're fucking George Lucas, dude. Look, I don't want to bother you and nerd out, but like, Star Wars is one of my favorite movies, and I just want to thank you, man. Just thanks for all that. It's, it, it's so great. Ah, you like uh, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I got some good news. I'm working on the uh, three prequels, the first three chapters. Oh, really? You're gonna do the, finally, oh my God, that's awesome, dude. I'm so excited, I can't wait. Well, hey, you say you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, do you like Darth Vader? I fucking, I fucking love Darth Vader, dude. The, the helmet and the cape with the sword, that's great, man. Is he in the first movie? Uh, yeah, in the first movie, you get to see him as a little kid. Uh, is he like a little Damien Omen kid, like evil and <laughs> killing people with his mind and shit like that? No, he's just like this little kid, and then he gets taken away from his mom, and he's very sad. <laughs> it's just like a bad... That is from Werewolves and Lollipops. <clears throat> Pat Oswalt, one of, one of my all-time favorite people, much less comedians. Like, I just fucking love that guy to death. And you're right. That is the perfect way to describe it. And it goes on. The bit goes on even yeah. further and further until he, if you've not heard it, about, I, like, go find it and uh, watch the whole thing. Go, go, just go <clears throat> buy werewolves and lollipops. Yeah. You won't be disappointed. No, you won't. He is, he is, he is the comic voice. He, he is the voice. Like when I want us all nerds, he gets, to, he and Kevin Smith, that there was a council of nerds who speak for me on everything. Oh yeah. I think I would probably bring those two guys together. They would be on this, this, you know, you could probably bring a couple other guys in Conan O'Brien or something would be one of those guys, you know, but they're all sitting there and it's for me and for us, probably both of us, like they speak for us as nerds and just our sense of humor in general. Like he nails it, just nails it. Hey, do you like ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that bit salt. is. <laughs> I don't want to hear about. I, w I just want to see the things I love. I don't, don't want to see, see where the they thing. come from. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, people. It is really awesome. So, yeah. So, you know, this <clears throat> just in George Lucas in general. And I it, it pleases me that he has a sense of humor about it and that he's a fan. I, I understand that he was a fan of Mel Brooks before. And this did not end their friendship. Whereas it could have. Yeah. It did not. Because they he definitely takes some real you know, uh, kind of raunchy takes on Star Wars. No doubt about it. And none of them are terrible. Like, they, it should be PG-13. There's no way it should be an R-rated movie no. by any means. But, you know, there, it's, it's for teenagers. Like, this movie was coming along for me at the perfect time. I was yeah. like, you know, I was like 11, 12, 13, and Spaceballs was coming out, and it was appealing. Mel Brooks has been making those teenage dick and fart jokes his whole entire life. And, but he's the best. Like, he is the OG Kevin Smith, really. I mean, the guy just, there was like a highbrowness to it, though. He could just really envelop in this sort of highbrow. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't so stupid. Like, it wasn't just dick and, like, ass, like, from, <laughs> what was the movie? Where, uh, oh, gosh. Um, 
Idiocracy. Oh yeah. Where the number one movie, the number one movie in the country was just ass. Yeah. It was just like an ass farting. Like that was the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. There's, so, you there's, know, he has to have, there has to be something to it. There's a nuance. I mean, like, uh, one, I mean, one of my favorite, my, one of my favorite throwaway jokes. Cause, and it's, it's so good. Cause it's, it's such a, uh, stupid lame pun. But then at the same time, there's there's a nuance to it that makes the joke really great is when mm-hmm. when Scroob tells him to go and comb the desert and they have the giant <laughs> combs out there. It's like, if you guys found anything, <laughs> negative, sir, we're still, you know, the second. How about you guys? Right. Well, nothing yet, sir. And you guys? And it's the it's the Afro pick. And like, we ain't found right. shit. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is such a great joke. Because yes. like. And there's there's nuances to it. There's it levels hits to you. it. It hits you like right, yeah. It it it's like a it's like a little jab or you know the jab 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 is like the stuff you expect. And then he comes in with the uppercut. And all he does is say, "We ain't found shit." Yeah, but, but it's the expression on his face. You know, <laughs> he's best. He hasn't found shit. You know, it's so. It's, <sighs> uh, and I like. I think I think one of the things that I really appreciate about the movie in general is that they do. I mean, they poke fun specifically at enough little Star Wars things, um, mm. but I like they. There's enough little differences that there's still a story to it. Like they're not just you know retrotting the same path. Like they deviate at times, and because I mean, with Lone Star, it's like okay, Luke was really the hero. I mean, Han had his role. Right. And there's they right. kind of combine the two roles, but it's like okay, there's a, there's a difference to it. And I mean, one of the things that I thought was really, I mean, was great fodder for comedy in this that they never really touched was the fact. I mean, like because you know now people joke on it all the time as Luke and Leia being sisters or sister and brother, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was like okay, that's kind of an awkward part of the initial trilogy. And it's like that would have been, a, I mean, a, <laughs> the incestual vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's like that would have been great fodder for comedy, but you know they never go near it. And then no. you know they they keep coming back to the Star Wars stuff, but <clears throat> there's still just well, enough that's differences. smart too because if you were to go that far, like maybe Mel Brooks considered it, right? Yeah, but that that really pokes fun at Star Wars in a mean way when you start pointing out the incestual jokes and stuff. And uh, especially because. You know, I know we've we've made fun of them a number of times and in different episodes of, you know, things like disaster movie, epic movie, date movie, you know, yeah. um, which were all eventual spinoffs of the scary movie franchise, which, I mean, started out as a really entertaining kind of franchise. It was a culmination of oh. a lot of different horror movies into one. But the thing was, like, the movie itself still kind of followed a plot. A lot of those other movies and what this thankfully didn't fall victim to was just... How many stupid jokes that make reference to the uh, original can we cram in here? It doesn't matter if there's yeah. no real, you know, meaning to the movie. It's just let's get ninety right. minutes of, oh, yeah, I remember that from the other movie, and it's like, right. okay, this is a clip, which show. is it's what those movie. epic movies feel like. It's yeah, just like that's what those are. You know, there, there's no point to this movie. It's no. just like let's just do the vignettes of the things. Let, let's make let's remind people the things they like, but we'll put in yeah. not the same actors. And, and do it slightly goofier. Like, that's more or less what you're doing. But people f- love that stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I'm not, I mean, I supported those kinds of movies for a long time. I'm not saying I'm above it by any means. 
but it is kind of a cheap it's it is it feels cheap yeah when you stand back and look at it for like, what it is and the, this is a movie this is like a it's a fairy tale really well because they i mean like there i mean there there is no death star um there's you know they they i mean they really kind of have well there's their, mega maid that's kind of their there's death there's star. mega maid, but like the, the whole thing is like it's it's a very different plot line than you know than what they're because all of the stuff it's oh, like oh for sure it's, it's, they just it's, want air right <laughs> yeah and it's it's just it's it, a real goofy like plot like it's anyway. oh it's absolutely i mean that's one of the best space, things about spa- it planet space ball if because we haven't talked about it the movie is set up in the crawl expand it pl- the planet space ball is being being run by president scroob who just you get the feeling it's just like one of those like wasteful kind of you know, well, you you should. He's seen throughout the movie making poor decisions and being wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but somehow the planet lost all of its air. I don't really get how that's his fault. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like we're not we're really going to explain uh, he, the problem. No, we're not going to explain why the we're planet tell is you it's the problem. No, but no right. explanation. <laughs> that's fantastic writing. You don't need to but know it the details. Matter. It, no, you don't. You don't. Because you get the Perrier joke. Yes. <laughs> Which is a great visual gag. Um, God bless. Where, where, where was I even going with that? Oh, they're just a planet, a planet Spaceballs and Scroob. Um, oh, planets. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're Druidia. Druidia is, is their, I guess, neighboring country. So they're going after Druidia for its air. And that's basically it. <laughs> just trying yeah. to find a way to trick, uh, trick uh, Planet Druidia, which is in basically encased in a force field for some reason. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> which is a pretty, it's pretty keeps, peaceful looking planet. You know, it's what keeps <laughs> all the air field. in. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, that's science. They know, they know damn well how good their air is and they're going to do whatever it is they can to keep the outsiders out. I just like that. They, they want to breathe in all that sweet Druidian air. <laughs> they have the foresight to say, you know what? We better protect our air with this giant yeah, force good. field. Make sure, make sure there's one little patch that we can open and shut. So right, there's going to be us. a big garage door opening yeah. thing. <laughs> so I mean, like that's a great visual gag. Oh, though. it's it's and and even accompanying it is like, what's the combination to the force field? Door? <laughs> one, two, three, four, one, five. Two. <laughs> I was like, what an idiot would it's make their so luggage. Important. And then and of course you got then you get the payoff to that. It's like, it's the same <laughs> combination as my bad. luggage. And then you get you get like Colonel Sanders and like Dark Helmet give each other that little look in the background, yes. <laughs> like holy shit, we were just talking about that. Oh gosh, it's it, it's it's a it's a pretty tried and true story, performed by really perfect, for, just perfectly casted cast. I mean, everybody's doing very their thing. capable people. Yes, very capably in their eighties way. And I, I just adore this movie. And I've, I was hoping to get uh, Nick, the Prince of Pixels, in on this episode mainly because I think he too really kind of took ownership. It was one of his first movies that he took ownership to at the same time. Same reasons, you know, like it's it's Mel Brooks. You recognize the comedy. You see John. I mean, there's everything is appealing to like a twelve or thirteen year old. You know, like looking at this. Plus, you know, like Star Wars has been over for like two, three years. There's some distance. We're hungry yeah. for some more Star Wars action. Even if it's just a parody of Star Wars, we'll take it without question. So uh, I, I just have a, I really identify a lot with this movie. Now, it, 
there was a time well into my 20s that I would have said that this is in my top 10 movies of all time. Thankfully, I have grown up a little bit and I've watched a lot of really good (laughs) movies over the years. Movies that were released, you know, before I was born. Movies, many, many movies that had yet to be released that I would go on to love and adore. Uh, So this, this movie has slid down the older I get. So it's very much a comedy of its time. And I would love to know if, if younger, like if you're a younger listener, if like in your, your twenties, you know, mid twenties, early thirties, whatever. Like if you're in that age range and you're listening to this, let me know. Like, I really want to know if, if this movie means anything to you. Like, does it hit, in the same ways that it hit for me. Like if you were in, if you were that age when this movie come out, like, you know, you got the, Oh, she gets right helmet. Like, you know, that that's a dirty little joke that you should be not be laughing at if you're in that age range, but you may be in like, you may ask about that. And that's when you learn about head from some strange kid uh, on the school bus, <laughs> right? Like that's your education. It's your that's where you education. That's where the you more, learn. you know, <laughs> why, did that character on the screen look so much like my penis? But at the same time, is supposed to be Darth Vader. <laughs> I was like, I really enjoy this movie. You don't know. Like, you got the whole Star Wars comedy working for you, farts and stuff. But then also there's this sexual uprising happening subconsciously. Also, it's just like pushing it like a tidal wave of emotions and happiness. So that's that sums up Spaceballs for me in a nutshell. <laughs> and that's there's just Spaceballs. some funny, funny shit that happens. I, I want to play another clip, if you don't mind. Oh, go just, for it. Just a quick little clip that just I love. What happened? Where are they? I don't know. Uh-oh. Is it not going to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. There we go. They must have hyperjets on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them. Catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone <laughs> There's like a I whole bit that goes on like with the ludicrous matter, speed. Sanders? Chicken? Great joke, I love that little pun. <laughs> and then, What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? <laughs> and then, because I one of my favorite gags in the whole movie is when they're trying to... When they're trying to figure out where where do they go, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, go and get the home video." He's like, "What? We're still filming." Like, there's because I I always when you when you apply that breaking the fourth wall, that's one of those mechanisms Uh that when it's done well, I really genuinely enjoy. Just I don't know why it's just fun. I feel like it 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 creates a bond between the the movie and the audience that you wouldn't otherwise have. And it's right. especially when when it's done well in comedy, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is because you get to there's like, okay, because you have that scene where it's like, okay, he's clearly embarrassed after the fact in that scene. And then they're playing right. it again. It's like, no, no, it's past this. Keep going. And it's like, <laughs> I love those little residual jokes that are kind of throughout the movie. Where it's like, no, just keep fast yeah. forwarding. And then you get to that point where it's like, it's that infinity where it's like, oh, this is happening right now. Right. <laughs> and then you have that well, you, and you get that snappy, like who's on first yes. style kind of like comedy. And you know, when you break the fourth wall like that in lesser hands, it could really wreck things. Oh yeah. Time. I mean, like, that... you, it can come across as so corny. Yeah. It'd be real uh, but, cringy. It's like, Oh no, this didn't work. 
cringy is the right word, but in the hands of a guy like Mel Brooks, you can break the fourth wall easily. And he does it not only there, but later in the movie when, when, uh, uh, Lone Star is fighting Dark Helmet and they're kind of in the middle of their, uh, Schwartz duel. Oh yeah. He just like, he just straight up kills a crew guy. Yes. <laughs> and you know, it, it, they, they get back into the action, making the little joke, you know, like, uh, he did it, you know, very cartoonish, but I mean, he breaks the fourth wall twice. That's how good he is. Yeah. Like, and you can't break you can't go be breaking the fourth wall that once but twice. And it, it works. I mean, like, especially I mean, because with the with the VHS one, you know, it's like, okay, that's that continues the plot of the movie. It's like, oh, that's how they find out where they are. I was like, you yeah. you didn't just use it as a joke. It's like that's how we direct ourselves <laughs> into the next act of the film. Like and it's and it works. I mean, like it totally plays. It's like you, you don't quite like. That's how you know you've done it well. When it's yeah. one of those things where clearly somebody like, wait, how <laughs> how do? No, that doesn't. It's like no one cares because it's funny, and you just keep you keep laughing and keep enjoying yourself. And yeah. I, even because I, I I and I loved I loved how Mel Brooks put it into the movie, and he plays it off because. He always like he. I mean, he loves to be tongue in cheek about his own Jewish faith. I mean, he does. I mean, like yeah. He and because I've seen him in a number of things. Um, there was even a documentary uh, that he was a part of with a lot of other Jewish comedians. Just how kind of that you know, things like referencing the Holocaust or referencing Nazis and because I mean, like in the producers when he they're making the play Springtime for Hitler. It's like there's a lot of stuff where it's like okay. I mean, Mel Brooks was in World War II. He was a uh, exactly a mine uh, he, field detective. He's working out his demons like in a similar way that like yeah. Dave Chappelle was when he was doing all of his racially yeah. uh, influenced comedy, like and the stuff that he was best known for and that people loved him for. Like, I mean, it, it, you, it doesn't matter what color you are. Like, yeah. that's really relatable, and all his shit was really relatable. It made you laugh at like just. Why? Why? Like it? I think with through humor, if you can get somebody to laugh and make your point at the same time, that's going to change their mind more than all of the hours of flaming online of oh. message boards back and forth on Facebook, wherever have you. That's going to leave its mark. If you can make them laugh and then see your point of view, I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you get them. Well, because what what he's yeah. doing, and and it works so well, because it's like, okay, you make this agreement with George Lucas that you can't merchandise anything, and then you make the whole yogurt, his whole favorite oh, part it. of the he movie. He spun is it into gold, The man. merchandising. Into gold. Oh, we love the We're going to merchandise the crowd. Because <laughs> even, even to this day, you have people are like, oh man, where can I get Spaceballs the shirt? Where can I get, you know, all these things? It's they, like, just, they just don't exist. They don't exist. And it's like, and because yeah. that was the whole thing. So it's like, you know, he's taking this like, hey, this is a this is a Jewish stereotype. How are we going to make money? And and so it's like, <laughs> the the whole thing is, hey, I'm Jewish. This is I'm poking fun at my people. You can laugh right. with me because we all know people like this. And so it's really like that's one of those things. I, I what I appreciate about Mel Brooks and other guys like him is like, okay, instead of oh, let's zero in on these things about people. And have them be stuff that divides us. Like, no, 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 no. These are this is a these are Jewish traditions. Are you a member of that club? If not, oh my goodness, get out of here. And you say, no, no, no. Yeah. It's these little funny things that we do that when we all laugh mm. about them because we recognize how silly they are, 
that's the thing that brings all of us together. Like when we laugh at these I agree. things, we I bridge agree. those gaps. It's, in, it's more inviting, right, yes. than like just straight up hatred right off the gate. It, it, if, if I can let, like if, if my first impression of a Jewish person is Mel Brooks, I'm, I can't wait to meet more Jewish yeah. people, <laughs> you know, and, and even when and, you meet and none of it, none of it seems weird or anything. Cause you, you're kind of in on it from the beginning. Yeah. So like, you're not shocked when somebody's a little different than you. And when you meet, when you meet the people who, who personify some of those stereotypes, you're like, Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. It doesn't mean like, Oh yeah, the, I, I don't like this guy. Let's all right. point our fingers. Like, no. I was like, because anybody and everybody at any point could be a part of the stereotype. And I was like, all right, these are the subtle things. I mean, because there's part of it. I was like, these are some of the subtle things that make our group unique. I was like, I mean, mean, honestly, some of the, I mean, going back to. But you're not allowed to make fun of any of those things. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's (laughs) like, why not? (laughs) I mean, one of the things, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't privy to uh, regular exposure to deaf comedy jam. But it's one of those things like when I remember going back to like the the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, you know, and it was well before then, but like you'd have, I mean, black comedians that would make fun of the idiosyncrasies of white people and you would mm-hmm. laugh. It was like, yeah, I yeah. know people that do that. I know people that act that way. It's, it's just, because it's just an observation. Yeah. It, it's it's that's all it is. But it's it's an observation being told through this prism of 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 humor which is so much easier to take and i don't understand why people can get even so offended at jokes you know <laughs> just jokes cuz it's like okay they're not it's not even like it's not even coming from a place of hate it's just a joke well cuz i mean cuz that's the thing it's like okay if we look at this we say well when this guy said this it hurt my feelings even if i'm going to play devil's advocate and say all right well let's walk let's walk through that your feelings got hurt L- let's okay so your response to this is well what we have to do is we have to shut all of that down it's like yeah that doesn't seem like an adequate response to your feelings got hurt (laughs) like let's figure out let's process what it was that hurt your feelings understand it and then if it's something that you know is going to continue hurting your feelings maybe let's just stay away from this let's not just expose ourselves to this thing if it's (laughs) I was like, if, if I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's that room on the second floor of my house that's filled with uh, flames and spikes. I always hate when I go in that room because it's just flames and spikes. It's like, well, you should just probably not go in the flames and spikes just room. And then just that won't maybe hurt. go around that room. Just, you know, I was like, do you have to go through? No, I don't. I don't have to at all. It actually, I have to go out of my way to get to that room. It takes a lot of <laughs> yeah. doing. But when I go in there, it always hurts really bad. It's like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense then. Why would you just not? Or just not Every, that everything that you just said makes no sense. We're yeah. supposed to take you seriously. So it's like, I, how are we supposed to take you seriously? And then that's, I mean, well, you just have to, you just have to take me seriously. And so like, oh, you can't okay. make Mel Brooks movies today. You can't like, you couldn't, I don't know if you could get away with making even a space balls. I know you couldn't get away with making blazing saddles, but I don't, I don't even know if you get away with making a space balls. I think yeah. you can, I'll put it. Let me, can I just, add on to that as an add on i do agree with what you're saying mainly i think you can still get away with making a mel brooks thing today but it won't be like sold to the mainstream yeah you're not gonna get that's true you know it's not it's not gonna be for everybody like exactly it's gotta be it's gotta be advertised to the niche of people who you're certain are gonna 
buy it or enjoy it. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this like little micro sections of the world we've carved out, it works out that way, I guess. But yeah, I don't think mainstream, like you're not going to see anything big like that. It's just not going to happen. Cause you, you, it's just not worth the risk if you're a movie maker, <laughs> yeah. be honest. Do you really want to be in the news for making, for producing an insensitive thing that people hate? <laughs> no, probably not. You want to make good movies that everybody wants to go see. Well, and that's like we've talked about before with with the whole thing with cancel culture. It's one of those things where you get a lot of you get a lot of people that just want to throw all kinds of shade on guys like Dave Chappelle, and it's like, uh, but when you look at how so many people responded to it, it's like you can continue to vilify the people. It's like, oh, you laughed at that? You're a horrible person. It's like, no, I'm not. Just because you said I was doesn't mean I really am. And yeah. because I recognize those are jokes and I think he's funny because he's telling funny jokes doesn't mean right. anybody in the room is taking this seriously or thinks this about people. It's like, how do you not understand that? It's, That's, like, it's sort of like the social contract part of yeah. it, right? Oh, we're in a comedy environment, so I should be allowed to let my guard down and en- enjoy what's a, definitely a joke coming my way. Yes. It's like, oh, this is in no way, shape, or form serious. This is purely... <laughs> well, welcome to the serious show where yeah, we will like, take all of your things set seriously. Uh, no, not, uh, not going to do that. And, and it, it, like, that's, I think one of the things is uh, the, what bugs me about it is they try and make it seem like there's so many people that... I was like, it's not. There's so many people that actually really enjoyed it. And it was like, right. no, no, there was a lot of people. So it's like, you can't cancel Dave Chappelle because too many people like him. Because it's like, if you don't, and that's, and it's just, it just bugs me. It's like, there's people out there that I don't like, but it's like, okay, I still want for them to be able to do what they do. I want for them to, it's like, no, I, I would rather them say it. And you know, the people that enjoy it continue to enjoy it. And I just won't participate. It's easy. It's like, if when, you like when Mel people Brooks, like that are trying to get people to, or if they're, if they're just trying to get their way, they're going to try and take everything to the extreme. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Uh, no acceptable deaths. Like there's nothing that you can do that in the end, uh, a death may occur. Like it's yeah. just not worth that thing. So like a, a, a death unacceptable hurt feelings, not the same thing. No. Okay. <laughs> hurt not feelings close, is kids. not the same as dying. So if a few people have their feelings hurt, it's not, it doesn't equate to death. So <laughs> Maybe we can just let this one slide because it's not as serious. We, what not, we should, a, not the same thing. What we need, what we need is anytime we bring up one of those butthurt moments that people seem to have, we should just play that Leslie Chow Hangover 2 sound effect. But did you die? <laughs> right. It's right. like, no, you didn't. You're okay. No, you You're didn't. fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> You might not like me, you could, because I'm making light of it, but that's fine too. I already no, know no, enough people just, and have enough friends. There, there are just people who enjoy drama, and people who are attracted to drama are attracted to each other, so they just create these super drama fueled groups of people who are just like, "Ooh, we hate drama, but we love drama." And there's just it's just 
keeps going in a circle like for all eternity. Yeah. So, you know, but, and here we are, we're like not the drama fans, but we, you know what I mean? We, yeah. We're just sort of stuck in the middle. We're like, oh. we're not even stuck in the middle. We're the majority. Yeah. <laughs> we're the majority. Like, oh, well, we gotta, we gotta listen in to this conversation, see how it goes, because we may have to change our entire outlook on life based on this. Uh, oh, my, my response is, you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm probably gonna, just going to go watch Blazing Saddles. And that's just going to change the channel, man. That's going to be how I handle hey, it. I'm guess what? Turn on- there's, probably a, there's probably a YouTube channel or something devoted to all the things you love. Just go watch that. Yeah. like That, that way there's probably not a chance of you ever being offended or disagreed with. Just like, wow, this is great. I love not being disagreed with. It's the best. Yeah. I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. It's, and Nope. I'm going to go. I'm going to go explore other people and see how they look. Oh, oh, they don't feel the same way as me. Well, I must change their mind. Yeah. I, I mean, like if I was, if I was like, you know what? I'm not really a huge, like I don't love hot dogs. I'm not a huge fan of hot dogs. And it, but like, I feel like it'd be really weird if like, I was just like walking down the street and I happened to look inside a window of somebody's house and I see like, Hey, that lady's fixing hot dogs for her whole family. And I, then what I do is I kick the door in and I throw all the hot dogs in the toilet and I punch her in the face. Be like, what is wrong with you? You just, like, you just slap the hot dog out of her mouth. Yeah. Punch, like, followed by a punch. No, no hot dogs for anyone. You're, you're pouring the hot, like you're pouring all the relish and ketchup and mustard. You're just squirting it in their hair. Yeah. And running it through their hair and making it real sticky. Just, oh, gross. here's the hot dog water. I'm pouring it in all of your cups and you're going to drink yeah. the hot dog water. That's what you, you love hot dogs so much. You should drink the hot drink dog the water. Drink the hot dog bitch. water. <laughs> it's like, no, that's unacceptable. You know what I do? I look in the window. I was like, oh, hot dogs. Not a fan. Keep walking. Right, right. And Keep in walking. your own little space, you can, you're can. you perfectly entitled to go. Yeah. And then oh, hot walk dogs, away. Not a fan. And just keep walking. <laughs> just keep walking. Yeah, you could just be like, look, Dave Chappelle, not my thing. Exactly. Just keep. It's like, you know what? There's so much content out there that you could never. Like, if you just for the if you started now and for the rest of your life didn't move, you just like, I'm going to sit in this chair. This is where I'm going to shit and eat and sleep. This I'm going to I'm never moving from this chair. They will pry my corpse, <laughs> my fattened, disgusting corpse from this chair. <laughs> And it's like, even if you lasted, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like somebody's like, oh my gosh, this is oh, I can't even, I'm going to vomit if I go in that room. Cause that dead corpse in that chair, look, he's still watching cheers reruns. And it was like, you could never finish all of the stuff that's out there. You could never finish. No, it. you couldn't. You couldn't. And so there's it's so impossible. much stuff. I was like, if you the don't hours like, of content that are being produced right now yeah. as we speak. <laughs> I was like, okay, we, we've been doing a podcast for an hour and a half, give or take. And in that hour and a half, a thousand hours of entertainment was produced. <laughs> right. like, it's, it's multiplying at it such a rate. It doesn't even make can't. sense. You can't deal with it. It's, it's like the big bang of content. Yeah, it's like it's no. It keeps it's, expanding forever. It, it doesn't know a boundary. Mm-mm. So I mean, it's like okay, oh, just watch point. something else. Just that'll be all right. So this podcast has been about spaceballs, but it's been about so much more. We're, we're <laughs> slapping the hot dog out of your hand and saying, "Here, have a spaceball instead." Oh man, the the hero we all needed, hot dog, anti hot dog guy. Anti hot dog man. Guy. 
Man, I ain't having none of these hot dogs. <laughs> no, they meant cannot stick. That's the worst name ever. <laughs> Anti-hot dog man, I see you. <laughs> I see you have tried to these hot dogs. put an end to our evil mustard factory. <laughs> where, we, where we squirt mustard into your brains. And make you do things you don't want to do. You won't relish you this day. <laughs> Beautiful. Hot dog. Pie. We gotta talk about just a. We gotta talk about a few scenes in Space Falls before we get out because I, if we don't talk about them, I'll I'll feel remiss. And they'll forever be lost. Uh, uh, the the scene with Rick Moranis acting out all of the action figures. That whole opera, that whole soap opera that he put on. Yes is one of the defining moments of like i think of that like and especially with colonel sanders when he like he like opens the door he like jerks it open like sir are you playing with your dolls again you know like, did you see anything i guess is the line was <laughs> no i didn't see you playing with your doll sir <laughs> no right right because he's in he's into it he's totally immersed into the whole princess vespa dark helmet love thing going on there oh yes he just like I love the way he grabs all of the dolls because they're kind of spread out. Yes, he just like grabs them in one motion and just hugs them into his chest. Like so you can't see he him. He just hugs them. In. <laughs> Did you see anything? He's crouched over his desk. Right. Uh, it's it's great. It's a great, just great chemistry between those two actors. Oh starters. Yeah. But it, it couldn't have happened without Rick Moranis. And apparently, he ad libbed all of that. Um, so that that's really impressive and hilarious. Um, I do I do enjoy the scene where the um, they're supposed to be giving Princess Vespa a warning shot, and you see like the scene like the lasers are just like hitting all over the ship, and frustrated Dark Element is like I said across her nose, not up it. It's like who's who's firing this ray, and it's it's like such a goofy gag but like he lifts up the visor and there stands this horribly cross-eyed oh first yeah gunner <laughs> he's like sorry sir i'm doing my best <laughs> and he's like who who hired this man and then the of course the next cross-eyed dude flips up the visor it was me sir he's my cousin <laughs> he's like, what's your name Asshole, sir. Major asshole. And it's such a dumb joke. But in the military, they're, they're in they're in like a type of military. So the rank of major is certainly within play. Um, but, but it just keeps building, you know, like who else? Who else on this ship is an asshole? And like the whole entire bridge. Everybody raises their hand. You know, everybody raises their hands. And then you get those payoff jokes like I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Because that's something that people used to always say, you know, like I'm surrounded by assholes. Literally, he's surrounded by assholes. But the but the thing that makes me laugh the hardest is when he flips down the visor and he commands them to keep firing assholes. <laughs> because again, it's so literal. They're real assholes. <laughs> that's he's just addressing his 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 cadets. Exactly. <laughs> I love that scene. Any anything with you that uh, I mean that we we, we kind of touched on the merchandising. Should we go into that any deeper? <laughs> um, I'm trying. I to love think. I love that like all of the merchandise is like click. There's a was like was that Optimus Prime I just saw? Yes, like, they didn't it even was. try to cover. <laughs> they didn't even try to cover no, up. They're like that, that was Optimus Prime. <laughs> let's just hold up a Transformers lunchbox and call it Spaceballs. 
But that's got to be the joke, right? That yeah. they're so sloppy. Like, like, like yep. ah, fuck it. I'm not. <laughs> I could. We could easily come up with a something that looks like a coloring book with all the Spaceballs characters. No, no, no. It'd be funny if we took clearly a Transformers coloring book and just slapped the Spaceballs logo at the top. Well, because they, they but, have you know, so, so many other clever placements that are like Spaceballs, the toilet paper. Because I, I love Spaceballs, the placemat, because you just get a quick glance at it. At the end when they're yes. in the diner. And oh. <clears throat> because that, that's... Spaceballs, the sheets, and all that crap. That's probably <laughs> one of my... Because in the 80s, every kid who grew up around oh, that yeah. time period had those character sheets. It was a, it was as much part of any movie franchise as the toys. I mean, I had the Star Wars ones and, like, all that shit. I had like, Ghostbusters. I getting... There you go. I mean, if you were a super fan, that was, like, the way Absolutely. you could express your fandom. Your sheets. But I digress. I love seeing that the sheets were in there and the President Scrooge is fooling around with basically a joke on the Doubleman twins, I guess. Like, were they that huge in 87? People loved gum <laughs> advertisements. <laughs> they really did, didn't they? Oh, Juicy Fruit. Uh, oh, that's one of the all time. Don't even get me started on Juicy Fruit, get man. 39 of your white friends the- together and go surfing and or skiing. <laughs> While you chew some well, gum. Well, if there was a script, if there were a script to the Juicy Fruit commercials of the '80s, that would have been the words on the text. Do you have thirty-nine really white friends? <laughs> well, why don't the why well, don't the group of you head on up to the slopes, <laughs> chew some Juicy Fruit, and shred? <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. I never thought I was going to get to talk about '80s gum ads. Oh, '80s gum ads were the best. Some people really they celebrated the quarter strong. <laughs> it was a huge part of your eighties. Like, I mean, it was like breakfast cereals, gum. Uh, but was there anything bigger than those two things? I mean, no. they dominated commercials, gum and cereal. People, gum was Sugar, where was cereal that? Man. And gum. It was a, a very intense advertising war in the gum world. Like, oh yeah. I mean, you you got a little bit of Pepsi Coke action for sure. Yeah. I guess they were the major powers going on, but in the backgrounds, those those two, they were going at it pretty hardcore, pretty hardcore. Oh gosh. Is there anything else we want to say about Spaceballs? Um, I I love the cameo of John Hurt at the end. Uh, oh, good point. Reprising yeah. the alien role <laughs> because it's just, and even, even the fact that, uh, cause I think it was Mel Brooks reached out to him and wanted him on the set for something, but they didn't tell him they were going to do the alien thing. And then he shows up and it was like, Oh, we're doing the alien thing. It was like, <laughs> and he was such a good sport. Like even his line was like, not again. I was right? just such a, and then you have the little alien doing the, the Michigan J frog. Oh. Hello, my baby. Hello. My... I was like, oh, it's just, it's, it's so good. It's it, so perfect. Every bit of it works. And the alien is so clearly like a puppet in the scene oh, yeah. to me. Like you can, you can almost see like the hand going up its ass. Yeah. Like it's so close, uh, but they're selling it hard. And there's that, especially this, there's like a, cause you can see, uh, you're, you're seeing the alien dancing into the background, but you're you're focused on Barf's reaction to it. Yeah, and he's just—it's such a good reaction. What did that guy I have? Know how to put it? Well, he had right? the special. I ordered the he special. Cons- <laughs> right. Make, make mine the soup. 
Because then, then you uh, and the alien disappears, and you get those like check please, and that's such that please, was such an yeah. '80s thing, anyways. In my opinion, it was like that was check please. Like okay, that's not even a good joke outside of the '80s. That got it. But oh, they got a huge laugh. It's a 80s. great, it's a great '80s joke. Check please. Oh no, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, that was more like a '90s thing. I feel like. Oh no, he didn't. Oh no, he didn't. Was the check please? That was of the, the check 90s. please. Yeah. Because that was the response. Yeah. It was like, oh, <laughs> he said, check, please. Can you believe it? Oh, my goodness. That was oh, good. No, he, he said, check, please. Like, he wanted to just leave and not eat. Uh, I've won- I've definitely wanted to leave, and I've wanted to leave in a hurry, and I can't leave unless I pay my check. I've got to pay the right? check for the food that I never got. <laughs> yeah, right. You just sat down. Yeah. Uh, but I-, I am impressed by... Uh, the the trouble that they did go to like i mean they're, they're, they didn't go to a ton of trouble but the spaceball command center looked great yeah um the ship the ship at the very beginning where they were they're kind of again parroting the i i took it as the alien ship you know like when you see the nostromo kind of you know it's a big ship and it takes a second or two for you to see the whole ship go by but they it goes on for like a minute it just kept going and going and going and going. You're like, yeah. this is a massive spaceship. Cat and 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 the punchline of the whole thing would have been the bumper sticker because yes. there was another thing that was very eighties. Oh yeah. If you had something sassy to say, it wasn't sassy and funny unless it was on a bumper sticker. That's where you put it. That's where you slapped it on. That's what I'm about, the bumper sticker. Well and huge I, of the bumper sticker. Nobody cares about the bumper sticker anymore, do they? I even I even like kind of the it's, uh, they're not directly tied together, but like when they when they finally get to like at the very end when there's the uh, the self destruct mode is is set up, and <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Colonel Sanders is like ah you tell him all of these like the circuses I mean like they have all of these extemporaneous <laughs> departments and like what there were there was a protocol they were always like oh right release the it. and they're just he's rolling down this list and if you're not paying attention you won't catch it but it's because yeah. it's really funny because that's I mean like okay you should pay attention to it sometimes that's where you get the bearded lady that's where the bear shows yes. up like you have all these <laughs> yes. other people like. Okay, why were There's any of these people? There's a three-ring circus basically operating yeah. on Spaceball. <laughs> and that's, that's, it was like, okay, so it's it's a serious spaceship, but they have a circus on board. For <laughs> what purpose? I have no idea. I, I guess. I don't know. It was like, yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, oh, uh, I, I, I should also probably mention that the, the whole joke with the Scotty and the beaming was pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. The... And, you know, it, seeing with his, like, ass on, you know, like, his head turned around backwards, it's a good joke, you know, and he's, like, scratching his ass from the other side, and it's it's a good joke. But the best part is when they take, they extend it just a little bit further, and you see him just go into the yes. next room. That was, that was <laughs> that perfect. All of that, that was a great joke. All of it was funny. Good stuff. Um, all right, well, I, I guess it's that point of the show where... Oh wait, I didn't. I didn't say. Uh, I didn't even look up. I gotta see what Roger Ebert said about Spaceballs. Oh, I I was looking for it because I didn't get into the Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff like I normally do. But I know at least Gene Siskel gave it. Uh, he gave it a, a thumbs up, but like one of like one of those times where they give it a thumbs up with a caveat that it should be given. 
Like, if you enjoy these kinds of movies, it's a thumbs up. Not if you are expecting a serious drama and you see this movie instead, it sucks, you know, because you are in the right frame of mind to watch this movie. That's not this movie's fault. That's your fucking fault. (laughs) Anyway. If you were hoping for, I don't know, swine-related humor of the... uh, of the sophisticated variety, like say if a pig went to a city, this is not it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is acceptable. He gave it two and a half stars. That's about where it belongs. I mean, really. I'll I'll get I'll get it, that. Yeah. Because that's to me. Because to me, that's where things like Tommy Boy and Billy Matt. That's where they belong. They're they're better than two stars to me. I know they're not like yeah. But it's like the distance between two stars to four stars. To me, it's like if you can go in between, okay, it's like, okay, if two stars is, you're giving it a 50%, then two and a half stars is, you know, 60%. Yeah. Yeah, the star the star system is just too nuanced to me yeah. to work for everybody yet. And I, I know that's like why, I, or I think that's why the importance of like a Rotten Tomato or a... Um, uh, what's the other one? Metacritic. Metacritic. Those are important because it, it, it at least attempts to give you like a consensus or like an average aggregate type. Like, you know, it, it it's trying. It's hearts in the right place. And those, you those can't always you, get it right. But especially the, the one thing that I do actually appreciate about uh, Rotten Tomatoes is that you can really see a discrepancy where the critics will come out and say something's horrible and yeah. the people that go watch are like, oh, no, this is a really good movie. You should watch it. So it's like right. you kind of get to decide who do I want to listen to. Am I somebody that decides more with critics or more with the crowd? And wherever you find yourself, that that to me is a more helpful determiner than just saying, you know, okay, what are all the critics? Find saying? your voice. Find yeah. your critic. Yeah. Exactly. I, that's definitely one thing I'll give them credit for is even if, I mean, unless a movie got like a zero – you know, like sometimes you'll get movies that just have like nobody had anything nice to say. About yeah. But it, let's just say it's like a 33 Rotten Tomato, like 33 Rotten Tomato is disastrous. Like, yeah, most people would agree, but it, they'll show you the few people that did have something good to say about it and you'll get their little snippet. Yeah. And if exactly. you read that and that sounds kind of like where you come from, then you might just want to go ahead and watch it. Yeah. But sometimes like you'll see a movie on Rotten Tomatoes and even the ones that are supposed to be like, you know, like certified fresh like it feels like a struggle like yeah i'm not even really even even their their best recommendation doesn't motivate me enough to want to see this like yeah i'll probably still pass on this yeah but that's your choice and that's you know kind of goes along to what you were saying too like if you see if you're starting to see a pattern if you see the same people recommending things that you like that maybe the majority didn't like then you just go straight to that guy in the future and you can just you know base your recommendation not solely it's like if you buy a car you should probably read lots of reviews you know yeah, exactly because <laughs> there's Don't so many options it's like, when if we're talking entertainment it's like okay you got 90 minutes to burn it's, I, I mean i've we've talked at length uh, at times about how many horrible crappy movies we've seen and sometimes that can be a fun thing sometimes you know i own the movie the room it's one of the worst movies i've yeah. ever seen or like sometimes right. you want to spend 90 minutes watching The Room because you're like, this movie's so bad. And you're just going to laugh at it. I was like, if you got 90 right. minutes to watch a movie and you want to watch something good, you're like, if at the end of that 90 minutes you're like, oh, that was a crappy movie. I wish I hadn't done that. 
it's, I mean, it's not going to leave you, you know, like, oh my goodness, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go dig my own grave now. Like, no, I mean, like it stinks, but <laughs> <clears throat> it's not the I've end of the world. my life. <laughs> what it is, is, I mean, like in uh, the episode of Seinfeld when, uh, when uh, uh, Elaine, she gets, was it Vincent's picks? She likes all of oh, Vincent's yeah. picks. And yeah. so. Oh, that whole thing, yeah. Kramer's like, oh, how about a gene pick? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah. That's so relatable. You don't get, you don't, that doesn't exist anymore, sadly. No. Not really. I mean, you have YouTubers. I guess that is like your new jeans pick. Like if a YouTuber digs it, that's jeans pick. Yeah. So it, it does exist. Just not, not in the not way ever we, in the we same. Miss. Yeah. It doesn't exist in the way that we're familiar with it. The way we grew up. Doing we're the, it, we're, was... we're the gene picks. That's us. We're, <laughs> we should just rebrand it to jeans picks. <laughs> I'll, I'll look into that. I'll see if anybody has it. Don't, don't, don't take our idea. Don't steal it. Don't take it. And don't you kill yourself either yeah. while you're at it. All right. Well, uh, yeah, so you want to go ahead and reveal. Oh, one one final thing. One one final thing I, I wanted to say about this movie. I almost forgot. I wanted to say that George Weiner or Winner, I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Weiner. As Colonel Sanders. Weiner. He I feel like there could have been a big career there in comedy for him that just didn't happen. Because he's so great in this movie. You know, I, or maybe this is just maybe maybe it's just one of those situations where like an actor was just elevated by all the greatness around him. Could be that. Could be that. I mean, you get to be next to Rick Moranis. He's gonna probably make you look good. He's probably gonna try and make you look really good. But I, I feel like he should have been known for more than just Spaceballs and she's the sheriff. Like that seems fucked up. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll never be known for anything in my life. But I mean, just she's the sheriff and Spaceballs. <laughs> Yeah, I like, and he's still working. He's filming something right now. Yeah, he is one of those guys who's still working, yeah. But nobody's going to know him. Nobody's going to point him out. Yeah, I mean, Oh, shit, I didn't know George Weiner was in this. Oh, man, is this the George Weiner joint? Holy shit, I wasn't even really interested in him, and I will recommend this now because George Weiner's in it all of a sudden. Hey, guys, there's a new George Weiner flick coming out this weekend. Do you want to... Check that out. Oh, it's who? like when a movie, sometimes a movie gets elevated mid-movie by just having an actor in it. You didn't know was even in it. And you're like, holy shit, I was enjoying this movie. It just got elevated. It's to even a better. Level two. It's even better. Okay. Uh, what's your what's your pick going to be for our next episode? And we'll wrap up movies that we love for February. So uh, this one, and I, I've go, I'd gone back and forth because there's other things that I've watched in the meantime. I was like, ooh, should I change it to this? And I'm like waffling waffle. If you want a man, I I've, I've waffled a bit, but I'm staying, I'm staying diligent. I'm staying committed to my, my initial, my initial pick. Uh, it's the 2000, uh, British gangster flick. Uh, probably my favorite of all of Guy Ritchie's movies snatch. And uh, all right. So that's, I, and I'm, I'm going, I'm going to, one of the things as I was thinking about this, I would, I would like to try and do, the entire episode in a British accent. So that I'm going to try and do that <laughs> as an homage. Dude, I don't know. I don't know how long I can stay with you at that point. <laughs> you might be without a co-host. It's like, oh, it runs left now. Fun, it's just me. That's a fun accent. That's a fun I'm just accent doing, for a little bit. I'm doing a podcast now. It's just me. Ron's left. He's not here. So. 
All right, you know what? Fuck it. I flip flop. I challenge you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I've got to do it the whole time. So I've completely changed. My it's the entire the it. entire podcast. I've got to do it now. See, I don't have a choice. So all right, so let's see what if Snatch is playing on any uh, of the streaming. Let's see. Uh, go to Just Watch. Because I know you you've got probably ten copies of it at home. Yeah, if you want to, if somebody wants to come over to my long. house, you you like let me know first. Just go. Okay, good good news, everybody. It is streaming on Netflix right now. Boom, so. Netflix. That's one of the ones Everybody's that everybody's got. Netflix. There's no excuse for you not to do your homework and watch Snatch and join us for the next episode of Here Comes the Music, Cinemasters of the Universe. I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis, and I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. We'll see you next time.